Welcome to The 90s Sucked. A podcast about the 90s and how they sucked. With your hosts, Adam Todd Brown and Chad Wild. Hey, everybody. Welcome to The 90s Sucked. They fucking suck, Chet. Don't you say a thing. Fastball has a new album coming out in October. Of 1999. And it was I. I, I don't know if I ever heard anything from it. Hmm. Who knows? We should do a deep dive podcast on Fastball. Maybe we should. Do you think they would come on? Uh, I bet we could get two of the three guys on. I bet we could not. But who knows? How have you been? I live in Studio City now. Which means I run into Andy Sell all the time. By all the time, I mean twice. But that's two more times than I've ever run into Andy Sell. I don't know if I've ever just run into Andy Sell by chance out in the world. So, And also, not places you would expect two comedians to run into each other. One was at like a kind of uppity coffee shop. Why would I not expect two L.A. comedians to run into each other in an uppity coffee shop? Because I said uppity, not a Starbucks. This wasn't a Pete's Coffee. Okay. This, this was Alfred's. Okay, so why why wouldn't I expect you to be there? I don't know. I, th- I feel like you're giving L.A. comedy a little more, I don't know, not enough credit. You think <laughs> you and Andy are the only motherfuckers going to fancy coffee shops? They're all over the place. I think stand-up-wise, I, I have never run into any, <laughs> I've never run into any other stand-ups at, at uh, this coffee shop. And you think that's because you and Andy are the only stand-ups frequenting fancy coffee shops and not just because but he, you I was, and Andy... I was there on a meeting. He was there with to, a lady. Like, it was not, like, comedy writing. So what are we talking about this week, Chet? Y2K. The Y2K bug. Adam puts the if, in front of it to make it longer, so it takes more time to say. Yeah. Well... Y2K is just the year 2000. That We're not talking about the year 2000. We're talking about a specific thing, the Y2K bug. Yep. So computer bug. Putting the in front of it makes perfect sense, actually. And if no one, if, if anyone out there doesn't really remember what this was. Then we have some young fucking listeners. Uh, yeah. And What's I mean, up, well, middle schoolers and high schoolers. Well, I mean, this happened 20 years ago now. So it's not, I mean, you wouldn't like, like you could very well be in your mid 20s and not remember when this happened. Like you would have been four because or five. nothing fucking happened. There's nothing to remember. That is not true, but we'll get into it. Things definitely happened, and there's a reason more things didn't happen my most standout memory from y2k was i went to ames do you remember ames the like a kmart or a walmart no it was it might be a a northeast thing yeah i think it's probably just a regional thing anyway what about it i bought a hat a y2k hat but it had a clock on the front of the hat and the hat said countdown to y2k and then there's like a fucking countdown and the clock was always going down very nice i wore it for like three months yeah, if people don't remember, what it was basically was this fear that when the calendar flipped to January 1st, 2000, all the computers in the world, because their dates, they use six-digit date Yeah, if formats. you go back to the 60s, 70s, 80s, computer memory was very expensive, so to be efficient, they, they stored 
dates with six digits. Two for the day, two yeah. for the month, two for the year. Yeah, we'll get to the the expensive part, but it was just a yeah, just a general fear that chaos was going to break out as soon as the calendar flipped to January first, two thousand, because our computers wouldn't understand it. Our computers would all think it was nineteen hundred again. So or the year nineteen thousand and never mind. I forgot to do them. There were a couple of different ways the computers would fuck up. Where were you on December 31st, 1999? Uh, I spent New Year's Eve at my friend Keegan's house. And I believe we were playing like SmackDown or one of the WWE wrestling games on PlayStation for most of the night, which I kept getting beat because we're playing on PlayStation, not N64. And I was far superior N64. We all know, Chet. We all know you're far superior well, on listen, N64. I just thought you Why are you just know. beating us over the head with stuff we all know? And then... Chat N64 Wild. We don't call you that for nothing. I guess the next year I got a Dreamcast. Dreamcast was 2000, 2001. Dreamcast is the greatest video game system of all time. If you haven't had that list cast, bring me on. Uh, that would actually be a good one. Best video game systems. Do you remember being concerned about... How old were you in 1999? <sighs> I guess I would have been 16 or so. Oh, yeah. See, I was 23, so this was right in my wheelhouse to be worried. I was I took a compu- I was in a computer science class at the time, so we talked about it pretty extensively. But even then, I couldn't remember feeling like a lot of this feels like a racket and exploitative. Yeah, there was definitely that aspect to it. I remember it just feeling like, because I, I, like I was 23, I remember it. I actually spent... New Year's Eve 1999 in a motel room in Madison, Wisconsin, just getting so, so very drunk. And I remember, like, I assumed nothing was going to happen, but I was going to party. I was going to use it as an excuse to fucking party anyway. So that so, way, the next morning when you wake up, you can't remember if the power blacked out or it was just you. Right. If I, yeah, exactly. And I went to a Red Roof Inn with my girlfriend at the time. And I remember having this thought like, oh, man, what if something happens crazy at midnight? And then I turn on the TV and at that moment, I remember, oh, yeah, it's midnight in Australia as of like three hours ago. And yeah, the world's not. So we're probably going to be OK. And so then I just drank a bunch. But uh, I do remember like I obviously remember the build up to this and it was a big deal. There were people if you remember uh, what there's some movie where one of the main characters, like that's her job, is she rewrites code for the Y2K. Well, I think there were literally like TV movies that were about this, like catastrophizing this. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And there several were several books, both in terms of movies, like what to books. do, like survival. People were selling survival kits, all sorts of Y2K. I mean, I bought the hat, not the survival kit, but there are, there are a number of ways that people were making a lot of money off this. Yeah, it was a whole thing. So we're we're going to talk about the, uh, the the kind of the background of this. It actually goes back further than you might expect. Back when Jesus and the prophets, yeah, said, "Make sure you." It's a biblical thing. Yeah. yeah. So the root of the problem, Chet touched on it a little bit already, was storage space early on for computers was insanely expensive. One of the figures I saw was anywhere from. 10 to $100 per kilobyte. And to, to put that in perspective, 
I have a one terabyte hard drive that I paid maybe $99 for, maybe a little more than that. I've had it a couple of years yeah. ago when they were relatively new or had it since What's a couple of years ago. the math on ago. that? That's a million kilobytes? Uh, if I paid $10 per kilobyte for it, I would have paid $10,737,418,240. Yeah, basically we give away technology. The technology we give away in cereal boxes now is like better than the technology 40, 50 years ago. Well, the like the the first uh, Commodore computer had enough memory space to store like the first 45 seconds of a really shitty MP3 version of Eye of the Tiger by Survivor. And that's what they built it for. And that is exactly what it shipped with is 30 seconds of Eye of the Tiger. So because storage space costs so much money, programmers would save space by not using four digits for years. They would use a six-digit code, which uh, people are short-sighted. Like, we don't... I think one theme that runs through this whole thing is this sort of scorched-earth mentality where it's a lot like global warming, where I we'll feel deal like... deal with it when, it's, when we have to. Yeah, I feel like a lot of people in this and in as it pertains to global warming and also as it pertains to the Y2K bug... You see a lot of parallels where, where people were either like, yeah, we'll deal with it when we deal with it, or I'll be dead by then. Who cares? The difference is like global warming is the the catastrophic effects of it are literally happening right now, and people are in just, den just in denial of it. And see, that's the thing. If we somehow put in all the work to avoid the catastrophes that global warming will cause— the people who've been denying global warming is real was never a will thing. go, see, it was never a thing. And that's what you see with the Y2K thing, where now people who back then were like, <coughs> people back then who were like, no, this is bullshit. It's not real. This is all just a scam. When nothing happened, they got to go, see, I told you it was fake. But the and that's government, very debatable. The U.S. government also spent like $300 billion. Yeah. So the argument that it didn't cause anything, that's a weak argument. And we'll get to that. But the getting back to the origins of this, it actually goes as far back as 1958 when a guy named Bob Bemer, B-E-M-E-R, I don't know if I'm pronouncing that right. B-B for short. Yeah. He uh, was working on, he's a pioneer when it comes to computers and programming and just computer technology in general. And way back in 1958, he was like, uh, hey, 42 years from now, we're all going to be fucked because all these programs we're writing are basically acting like the year 2000 doesn't exist when it very much exists. And we need to update our programs accordingly. And everyone was like, whatever, we don't give a shit. He, uh, published an article in 1970 about it. He reached out to IBM. He reached out to the government. He reached out to all these different organizations and no one cared. Well, the thing about putting articles out then pre-internet is like, it was probably much harder for those articles to get seen by people that would actually like pull some alarms and do something about it. You know, you have to trust that not only does it get in front of the right person, but that they also read it. Yeah. And I feel like even then, like we know there was a big CIA effort at one point to 
kind of infiltrate mainstream media. It was called Operation Mockingbird, and there have been documents about it released since then. Uh, you can go look them up if you don't believe me. And Do it in incognito mode, though. Yes, definitely. One of the things that, that Operation Mockingbird was all about was getting journalists who were either CIA-affiliated or just cooperative with the CIA, who uh, had the CIA's interests in heart in place all over mainstream media. And at one point by the 70s, they had like 400-plus journalists and editors who were basically working for them. And when you, I bring that up because you mentioned how hard it would have been back then for a story like this to make the rounds. Uh, you've heard, I'm sure, the rumor that at some point Paul McCartney died and was replaced by an imposter. Yeah, same with Alvaro Levine and... Right, but I'm talking about Paul McCartney. Okay. You've heard that. That story started in a college newspaper in Des Moines, Iowa in the 60s. And it spread like fucking wildfire. So the potential for a story to spread has always existed, even back then. Sure, but that's a fascinating thing the public would eat up. This is this is uh, a time where most of the public didn't have a even access to computers, where I just don't think it's the type of story that would spread. But you would think it would spread among his peers and the people who were working in the field, and it seems like it did, and they were just like, nah, whatever. I wonder if there are some people that are like, happy that this is an issue because they had the foresight to be like this is an issue i'm gonna make a fuckload of money in a couple of years and in 20 years or whatever. i mean there's there's things like that with almost anything like there were uh i mean there there were people who made a ton of money on 9-11 because they knew that uh, airline stocks were gonna fucking tumble the minute that first plane hit that building there were a lot of people out there who, because that's how they make their money and how they like they react to world events as a means of making money, a lot of people saw that and they were like, ooh, it's going to be a bad time to own a, a fucking airline. So they uh, did uh, basically short sold them, which is you're, you're basically betting that that stock's going to go down. And when it does, you can sell the stock you just bought for the price you bought it at. So you make a, a huge amount of money. And there were people who made money that way on 9-11. So there probably were people who, I mean, we know, we already know, there were all these fringe groups that made a ton of cash uh, selling, you know, disaster readiness stuff. I mean, you, and there's also just like pure scammers like the, um, I don't know when this episode's coming out, but the El Paso shooting that happened a couple of days ago. Uh -huh. There have already been people caught that are like, Calling people in El Paso being like, we're collecting funds for the funerals, whatever. It's just a complete fucking scam. Yeah. Yeah, that shit always pops up. That's insane. Like, to have that level of, I don't know. You almost have to hate people to want to pull off a scam like that. Like, it's, ugh. Anyway. So, yeah, Bob Bemmer spends the next 20 years telling anyone who will listen that uh, this is going to be a disaster. And there's all these magazine articles about it, and no one really pays attention. Uh, there was one guy, one exception. In 1989, Norwegian computer programmer Eric Nagam. Hell yeah, Norway. Was instrumental in making sure that email services used four digits for years. And it's another thing where it's like, uh, yeah, he didn't have to because Y2K bug was fake. Or do did 
it just nothing happened because he had the foresight in 1989 to go, hey, just make those four digits. For well, the I guess year. we'll find out on December 31st, uh, 9,999. There is a company out there called the uh, Longview Foundation, I think. Yeah. It's a foundation about Green Day masturbating. Because <laughs> that's what Sound effects Green are broken, song. but yeah. yeah. I haven't loaded them. We have a new mixer. But the their whole thing is like trying to get companies building computer software to maybe think about the year 10,000. Like, what if all of this shit is still in use then and... Now, maybe I'm the asshole that's not thinking far enough ahead there, but I just feel like humanity will be gone by then. There will either be no Earth or the robots will have solved all of this. But see, that's the robot Earth. That's kind of the problem with this. There were people in 1958 who were probably like, yeah, the Soviets will fucking nuke us by then anyway. It doesn't really matter. And here we are. It's 1999 now, Chet. What do you got to say about that? Limp Biscuit is president. You feel good? Limp Biscuit is president. Yeah. What? Yeah. Let's what? just let's just move on. I'm sorry you don't remember history. Mandela hashtag Mandela effect. So so yeah, the that is the central question here. Is this a hoax? Was Y2K a hoax? I believe at its core it wasn't, but there were certainly a number of layers on top of it that people exploited to make it seem and feel hoax like. Right, but that's a scam and a hoax are two different things. Like we we know there were a lot of scams perpetrated around 9/11, which was a real event, and that doesn't make 9/11 a hoax. And I think the the fact that so many fringe types seized on this and used it as a means to build a following and make profits doesn't mean the event itself was nothing to ever be concerned then in that case objectively is not a hoax like what is the argument for it being a hoax well the argument people use the most is well nothing happened and what things did happen well things did happen but on a a wide you know in a wide scale way things didn't happen and not only that a lot of like the counter argument there is oh well because we took all these steps to prepare and the people who would call this a hoax their response to that would be well what about a place like south korea that did almost nothing to prep for the y2k bug and they were mostly fine or what about all of the small businesses that didn't do anything to prep for this i guess they were fine where your mind where you're putting the line at what makes it a hoax like because the world didn't end and planes didn't crash as a hoax or like, hey, some websites got fucked up on some bank shutdown and some alarms went off and some, you know, things ha- like those are all very real. So on that level, well, not a hoax. But if you're like, it's a hoax because humanity okay. may come to a pause. I'm, I'm explaining it wrong. Maybe not so much a hoax, but did we need to put in all the money and effort we did preparing for it? And that is the question that, like, I I use the word hoax because it's the easiest word to use, and it's a word that gets thrown around. But the idea is, did we even need to prepare for this at all, or could we have dealt with it on a case-by-case basis, where instead of pumping billions of dollars, which we'll get into what the U.S. and the rest of the world spent on this in a minute, but did we need to pump all that money and effort into this, or... Was it just a thing where there were going to be a few minor incidents and we could spend money fixing those 
as opposed to this big global effort. And the people who argue that we could have just, you know, fixed uh, the the people who argue that it's kind it was a hoax or a scam or whatever you want to call it, their argument is it wasn't going to cause that many problems and the problems it caused we could have just dealt with individually. And their argument to support that is again, places like Korea or South Korea that didn't do anything to prep for this and they were mostly fine or small businesses that in large part did because we set up a whole compliance system around this in the United States that like if you worked with the government, you had to get your shit in order. Like they, even if you were a private company, the government was reaching out to the companies that worked with their various contracts. And they were like, you got to fix this shit or there's going to be a huge problem. And a lot of those companies didn't fix anything. And there weren't a lot of ramifications. So a lot of people on that side of the argument are like, see, we told you, even if you did nothing, you were going to be fine. And that is a pretty compelling argument. But what it leaves out is that all of these companies and all of these entities, and even most of South Korea, they were using, their programs ran on software that they didn't invent. Like the average small business owner didn't invent Quicken or whatever the fuck they were using in 1999. Someone else invented that and someone else was in charge of fixing it. And what a lot of the small business owners, especially who did have problems with this on January 1st, 2000, if their computers crashed, it was usually because the software in question had issued an update to fix the Y2K bug for that individual program, and that small business owner didn't install that update. Also, porn. Right. Well, probably porn, too. But the the fact that if you installed that update, you didn't have any problems. And if you did have problems and then installed the update, it went away. I don't know how that translates to, well, we didn't need to do anything. Each individual software company did something to fix these things. And had they not done that, that more than anything, that there were these small pockets of incidents where small business owners just didn't, they saw a, a fucking update prompt and were like, yeah, whatever, I don't do computers. And the fact that once they installed that update, it fixed it, that's proof we needed to do something. Yeah. Because what if that happened and that update was never there? Then their computer's just broken. And there were incidents that occurred that we'll get to some of them are pretty fucking harrowing or just downright man they're there's down one. something they are down. oh i need the soundboard <laughs> and people don't even know why we're doing the air horn when they realize why they're going to be horrified i nailed it but they like the massive amount of work that went into this like that alone, especially the U.S. government, like the lengths we went to to prevent any sort of catastrophes related to Y2K were insane. Like we, in 1998, we passed the year to the year 2000 information and readiness disclosure. Mm, Conan O'Brien reference. <laughs> right? Uh, and this was a thing. We carried out this big program in conjunction with FEMA, which was still an independent agency, not run by the owner of a horse academy at the time. And they 
had this three-part approach where uh, outreach where they would just like do whatever they could to educate the public about updating your shit, monitoring and assessment. So if you were working with the government in any way, they were going to be like, hey, what's going on with your computers? Are they compliant? And contingency planning and regulation, which that becomes really important too. They set up a website, the y2k.gov website. You can still see it if you use the Wayback Machine. It just looks like a nineteen, a late 90s website, a lot of graphics. Netscape Navigator, baby. Yeah, it, it, it looks, it's definitely of that era. It doesn't not look like a fucking Angel Fire website. And in addition to the government doing these bigger public efforts, each individual government agency had its own Y2K task force, which think about how many fucking government agencies are there are. And now each one has its own team dealing with this problem. This was clearly going to be a pretty big problem. And the fact that like one of the things that I think contributes to people thinking it was nothing major was the government never got in front of us and said, look, if we don't fix this, here's what's going to happen to the banks. Here's what's going to happen to the power grid. Here's what's going to happen to any like anything you do. Like this is how your life is going to be impacted if we don't fix this. And why would they? Why would the government go in front of the American public and panic them like that? Because they were invested in Y2K hats? Yeah, th- th- yeah, there's no exactly. There's no I mean, reason. I don't have much to say because I'm not. I, I'm. I don't think it was a hoax. So like, I'm not. I don't have like counterpoints to this. Yeah, but like that's that's the whole thing. There was no because we weren't super open about what kind of catastrophe this would be for obvious reasons, for mass panic reasons. Like people would lose their shit if they knew. Hey, here's a problem's coming. Like that's right up there with saying, "Hey, see that uh, see that glowing thing in the sky? It's an asteroid. It's going to be here in like three months, and we're all going to die. Live your life accordingly until then." So we catch like ninety six percent of the asteroids. Like we're aware of them. Like one flew by us a couple weeks ago. It was like closer to us than the fucking moon, and they had no idea. And it was massive. <laughs> yeah, uh, it, they called it a city destroyer, I believe. And and yeah, that's the thing. Like we wouldn't have. I wouldn't want to know. Like, I want the government to be like, nah, it's cool. We'll we'll be fine. Like, even if they're wrong, because your fucking two-week survival kit that you bought from Alex Jones when he was still on fucking public television in Austin, Texas, it wasn't going to save you. Like, you weren't, there was, no one was adequately prepared for what kind of disaster this could have been like a global crash of banking systems and shit. Like, like that's going to yeah. be the only people that might be prepared are super, 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 super fucking rich people that have like super entire, rich people, entire like bunkers and like hired staff, just like living in Alaska, waiting for them. Yeah. Like, or like an actual fucking militia type. Yeah. But if you were just one of these fucking armchair militia men, who's like I got, just I got like, four bottles of water and a t-shirt and a candle. Like, yeah, you're cool. just like, cutting out the back of guns and ammo magazine because there's an ad for your survival kit that's 49.95 plus shipping you're gonna die but the like, nra and gun stoners gun stoners gun stoners gun stores were fucking loving this because like sale of uh weaponry and shit went up right a little bit before y2k as well gun people panicked 
gun stores were loving it. Uh, what are you going to do? Shoot the computers if they turn on you? Like, what's the mentality there? Yeah, relig- protect yourself. Like, protecting your, your stuff. But, like, you're going to run out of bullets eventually. And people aren't going to stop coming. So then what? And another group that really, really loved all of this was religious types. Like, really, like Jerry Falwell, for example, was one who was like, uh, yeah, this means Christ is coming back. He's going to come back. Uh, New Year's Eve. So I saw it on a screensaver. You should probably give me money. Yeah, if you want to get into heaven. Yeah, yeah. So get those VIP tickets to heaven now before he comes back on New Year's Eve. And there was a whole lot of that. And one of the things that comes up in this, and I think you mentioned it before we recorded, is that a lot of those people never really apologize. No, they never fucking do. And I think in 98% of those cases, those people probably should apologize. But if you were selling a product that would have legitimately helped a person weather a a couple of weeks of global chaos, maybe it would have been a thing we could have pulled ourselves out of. I don't know that you have to apologize. If you're, if you sold hand radios and then you and batteries and you had a Y2K sale and sold a bunch and then nothing happened like, nah. Yeah. Because a thing like that's a really good example because that's a thing almost everyone should have. And almost no one has. Yeah. I should probably buy a fucking radio. Yeah. Me and Angie talk about it all the time. We're like, we should just like put a fucking thing together and put it in the garage or like in, in, in the apartment or something. So we're ready for something like we're in earthquake country and then we never do it. And yeah. So like if, if you exploited Y2K to sell more handheld radios to people, I'm kind of all right with that because the, the, the other argument there is what if we didn't do anything to prepare for this and what if shit did jump off? I just made a note to myself, buy radio for earthquake, also extra batteries. Well, you buy the, the, the hand crank hand crank and then it, uh, it just, it just works that way. Plus hand crank parentheses. Not talking porn. <laughs> but you are. And and the thing is, uh, hopefully I'm not jumping ahead too far here, is these preparations actually helped uh, in some future uh, emergencies. Yeah, especially with what the government did. Uh, the infrastructure they put in place, the, the updates and the backup systems. It helped us survive 9-11. Yeah. Because, it will help the banks survive 9-11. Well, that in turn helped us survive 9-11 because when you think about where 9-11 happened that's the heart of the fucking financial district uh of the united states like that's that's lower manhattan that's where wall street and all that shit is and had financial transactions not been able to be carried out in new york because of 9-11 9-11 would have been a lot worse from an economic standpoint it was already pretty bad from that standpoint. And the reason we were able to to weather that, we were also, New York was able to keep telecommunications going. They were able to keep their subways running. And it was all because they put all these redundant systems in place to prepare for Y2K. So if everything jumped off at midnight on New Year's Eve, 1999, Wall Street would have kept running. The subways would have kept running. Telecommunications would have kept running. New York would have been relatively fine. And yeah, so that had we not had not prepared for Y2K, 
9-11 might have been worse. And we also, like, we worked with Russia on this. Like, Russia and the United States set up a, like, liaison program where if we got any false positives on either side from our early warning system for our nuclear weapons, we had an agreement in place that, call, like, call and make sure. Like, we yeah. would. We're not going to fuck you up. How crazy being. would it be if they called and we were like, no, 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 it's fine. And then fucking sent a <laughs> missile anyway. But yeah, so that this was, this was a thing that people took very seriously. And I think it's silly to argue that we didn't need to just because nothing happened. That's the outcome you want. Like you want nothing to happen. That's the point of preparing for things. And to say nothing happened is also not completely correct. But it's oh. like uh it's like wearing condoms and then not getting your partner pregnant and being like, I don't fucking need condoms. I never get her pregnant. Yeah, exactly. And I should before we move on to some of the problems that did happen, because if you're if you're listening to this and you're still a little skeptical about whether this was real at all. There were some pr- pretty serious issues uh, that that happened. But first, the money we spent dealing with this. Total cost worldwide, $300 billion. And that's in 1999. It's like 4.5 bill today. Yeah. Uh, U.S. accounted for $134 billion of that. We spent another $13 billion fixing problems that happened as a result of the Y2K bug. $13 billion. Like, imagine any other, like, if there was a flu going around and it caused enough damage, it cost $13 billion in damage, we'd be like, we got to fucking deal with that flu, man. And that's kind of what this was. It was it was a, a bug. It was a virus. It was something we needed to deal with. And so when we talk about the problems that happened as a result of this, so when we talk about the problems this caused, fucking overall, <laughs> they weren't that big of a deal. And a lot of people, again, use that as proof or evidence that this wasn't a thing we should have worried about. I disagree. They weren't that big of a deal if they didn't affect you. Right. And also like the, if you're a small business and your business got fucked for three months because all of your spreadsheets went away because of some date thing, like, right. That, and the fact that it wasn't widespread to me is in no way evidence that it wasn't something we needed to get ahead of. It's like the fact that nothing happened. I cannot stress this enough means what we did probably worked. And it's almost like how, uh, you give vaccinations and then people don't get smallpox. Right. And so now then, it's like, well, we haven't had smallpox in a long time. It's because we have vaccinations. And idiot. then you fucking anti-vaxxer fucking idiot kids get smallpox. Ugh. So there were actual Y2K issues that happened. Uh, some happened before December 31st. On December 28th, 1999, 10,000 card swipe machines issued by notorious money launderer slash respected bank HSBC stopped processing credit card and debit card transactions until the machines started working again on January 1st, 2000, uh, which I mean, not a big deal unless you were working at one of those fucking stores 
and had to do paper credit card transactions for three days. Probably felt like the apocalypse then. And I love, there's a Wikipedia section about things that happened. And it says when January 1, 2000 arrived, there were problems generally regarded as minor. And then it starts listing some of the problems. These are not minor. Uh... In Anagawa, Japan, an alarm sounded at a nuclear power plant at two minutes after midnight. So imagine being there and that fucking like, oh, alarm shit, it's off, actually and you're happening. like, shit, it's going down. Uh, in Ishikawa, Japan, radiation monitoring equipment failed at midnight. Uh, however, officials stated there was no risk to the public. Well, good thing the radiation equipment didn't fail at the same place the alarm went off, or you'd be like double like, oh shit. Right. And good thing you can see radiation and you know if it's impacting you right away. So definitely there was uh, obviously no problems there. <laughs> Shout out to Chernobyl. Um, now this, I, I actually, I feel like I would kind of be in favor of this. In Japan, NTT Mobile Communications Network, which was Japan's largest cellular operator, reported on January 1st, 2000, that some models of mobile telephones were deleting new messages received rather than the older messages as the memory filled up. I'd be fine with that. Text Just, messages were a thing in 2000? Um, I guess so. I think they're that was probably... texting. Aren't they probably talking about voicemail? Yeah, probably. Because for your memory to fill up from text messages, you'd have to have a lot. But I think they're probably talking about voicemail yeah. in 2000. And uh, I'm all right. Like, you Sorry, can just, creditors. You can just automatically delete my text messages as soon as they... or my. You know what? Your voicemail. Both. Fucking both. No, just any messages. Take Adam. my phone. Just, my, you can maybe have Maybe my phone has the Y2K bug. That's why I didn't get those links you sent me. Could be. Also, 150 Delaware Lottery Racino slot machines stopped working. What the fuck is a Racino slot machine? I'm pretty sure it's a casino that's mostly like a horse racing or dog ah, racing. like an OTB kind of thing. thing. Yeah. In the United States, the U.S. Naval Observatory, which runs the master clock that keeps the country's official time, gave the date on its website as 1 January 19,100. So that's comforting. The computer that keeps the official time in the country we spent three hundred billion dollars only couldn't fix and the fucking update the clock main. on the fucking microwave but this is the craziest one and th what's really crazy i'm reading these out of order but on the wikipedia page this is the, the number one right the first thing listed the they're like a couple small things after no they're biggie. like it was just a few small things just long we're just trying to be year 2000 is that so bad did wikipedia prompt you to donate today yes did i no but i should right after you get that radio exactly this is fucking nuts in sheffield united kingdom incorrect risk assessments for down syndrome were sent to 154 pregnant women and two abortions were carried out as a direct result of the Y2K bug. In this case, it miscalculated the mother's age and caused uh, false positives on Down syndrome reports. And also, four babies with Down syndrome were born to mothers who had been told they were in the low-risk group. Now, I wonder, but they're in the low-risk group, so how much of that is Y2K? I, I don't have the backing info, or like... You can be the low-risk group and still have a fucking Down syndrome baby, you know? Presumably, these were mothers who were told they were in the low-risk group 
but shouldn't have been. Oh, I get what you're saying. Like they were supposed, like they should have been told. They were assigned to low risk and they should have been said high risk. Should have been high risk and they had babies with Down syndrome, which miracles all the same. Uh, I hope those kids are doing great. But also, holy shit, that's crazy. Like that, like imagine just, you're just out in public in Sheffield, UK, reminiscing with your friends about that wacky Y2K hoax. And one of these women sitting next to you, like, it was no hoax then. Oh, God. What? That's a solid I British know. accent. I, that's, that's Well, that's a specifically a Sheffield accent. Okay. Yeah. Hello. That's, it's Sheffield, it is. Do they have governors there? Hello, governor. There it is. But yeah, that's nuts. I wonder what did happen because that, I, I went out to the- uh, They have Y2K Down syndrome babies. They should be celebrated. Well, I mean, I'm assuming- Some type the, of sash they wear, a diaper. I'm assuming the hospital had to like the or whatever the lawsuit. Something yeah, I'm about. sure there was a lawsuit. And that's like that sounds like a crazy thing. But it, it's like the source for that is the Guardian. Like maybe a, their genetics uh, department at the hospital shouldn't use Quicken loans. Maybe. Yeah, that's probably it. That was probably that probably had something to do with it. And so it feels like we kind of dodged a bullet when it comes to Y2K. To, like I came away. I didn't know much about this before researching it for this episode. And I came away from it, uh, I feel like having learned quite a bit about how serious this problem actually was. And we'll link to the different sources and articles. And like, we just kind of scratched the surface talking about like the government's efforts to fix this and like just how, like you were, there was a time there where you were, if you were making computer equipment of any sort, it had to be Y2K compliant, or that was a thing companies were using to push uh, their products was were Y2K compliant. This was a huge deal. And you would think that the computing community would have learned something from all of that and that, oh, well, we won't have to deal with this again until the year 10,000. But nah, the year 2038, all your fucking fancy MacBook Pros and iPads, and probably not iPads, but if it's running on the Unix system, shit's going to crash, bro. Your fucking computer is going to explode in your goddamn face. I don't know about that. It's going to become sentient and slit your fucking Probably just going to have a couple errors that make your using your computer a little it more It is difficult. going to burn your house to the goddamn ground. You might have to install. It's going to find your mom's house. It's going to find your siblings' houses. You might have to install an update. Just, you just run your updates. You are going to have to watch The Purge and live by its teachings come 2038. Or, or you could just install the update and restart your computer. I would start killing off useless family members now. Uh, I... Or, okay, just fine. Just run the updates. Fine. Take them to a shelter. Just run the updates. To each their own. Agree to disagree. But what's happening is with these... Uh, Computers that run on the Unix system, which I believe is like most Apple computers, they are are set like there's some weird way where their time runs starting at a specific date in 2000. Yeah, it's based on like exponents and basically come 2038, like the exponent, like it hits right. the largest possible number and then the computer Because they're all godless crash. heathens probably yes. and they don't want to go by... Uh, a real Christian calendar. They're well, even these fucking Y two K. It's a bunch of them. The Gregorian calendar that you yeah determine what that caused 
And that also caused issues because they weren't like they assumed that 2000 wasn't a leap year or was a leap year. No, wasn't a leap year. Yeah, there was some kind of dissent as to whether or not certain. I think years at 100 year intervals or something if are like were it's every four years, but years at 100 intervals aren't unless they're divisible by 400 then they are leap years which 2000 right. was i think i got that right yeah it's something like that and that that was going to be a big problem come y2k also <clears throat> and yeah now it's it's 2038 when all the the unix stuff i already got my 2038 countdown hat yeah we should we should start selling y2k 38 shirts on this podcast yeah, we got to get ahead of that fucking market. We get ahead of it. By the time it happens, we'll have vintage Y2K38 Let's shirts start a to put on eBay. and start profiting off this. Holy If you made unpopular religion, you wouldn't have to pay any taxes. That is not a bad idea. And we'd only have to keep it running for what? Like 18 years. That's nothing. That's nothing. We could We could have such a fucking compound. And then when 2038 rolls around, we go... Just joking, we're all using Windows. Do you think you'll still be podcasting 18 years? Oh, I fucking hope not. (laughs) Oh, my God. No way. You kidding me? Oh, man. 18 years? Do you think the podcast network will slowly whittle down, or just one day you'll be like, this is the last episode. Bye, everybody. No, it's like it it still has room to grow, but I don't want to be doing this in my fucking 60s. I'm saying when it ends, will will you slowly scale down, or will you just end it at its peak? I don't know. Will you do like a Steve Martin like leave out on top? I don't I don't know. I'm gonna go out on top because I'm fucking great. But beyond that, I don't know. Mm. I'm never stopping. I'm never gonna die and I'm never gonna stop recording podcasts. You should record a bunch of extra podcasts. No, I should. Like you should record three extra podcasts a week until like let's say you die in thirty years. And then you have like thousands of podcasts that you can just keep releasing for years upon years after your death. That's not like Prince. I'll just have a vault. Prince yeah. had an, a literal vault that had to be drilled into after he died so they could get his music, uh, a lot of which was destroyed by water damage, which is a bummer. So the Y2K bug, we dodged a bullet, America. Rest easy. It wasn't the hoax you thought it was. Uh, and I know there's people who will still argue it was. And here's what I would say to them. Fuck you. The podcast is over. I'm done talking. Here's what about I would it. say to them. Get vaccinated, you anti-vaccine fuck. Yeah, probably. Uh, next week, we're going to talk about the pop culture of Y2K, baby. All the music and TV shows and fucking movies and sports. And we got a politics video thing game. to talk about. Are there video games? I didn't put any video game stuff. I never think to look up video games. You could put that, that I'll, on there. I'll, I'll live riff on some video game stuff. Um. And then the week after that, guess what our episode's about? Do you know? I feel like you texted me this. I don't remember if I did, but while I was researching this, one of the images I came across, which I think is on the Wikipedia page also, is one of those old AOL discs. Oh, yeah. And it says Y2K compliant on it. And uh, Are we going to do the history of the fucking AOL coasters? We're going to talk about those fucking AOL discs. I canceled my account and re-signed up for a new account so many times to get free internet. I couldn't afford a computer until well into the 2000s. So, Well, not well into, but I didn't even buy my own first computer for myself until like 2003. And then I immediately launched a writing career three years later. NBD. So that's our episode. How Wait, you- we started already? 
We sure did. I thought this was all outtakes. We're recording on new equipment, so if this episode sounds great, that's why. If it sounds terrible... It's your earphones. No, that's also why. It's the new equipment. Uh, But we'll see how it goes. All right, what do we got to plug before we get out of here? Uh, You can follow me on the Instagrams. That's where I do most of my socials these days. Instagram.com slash Chet Wild or at Chet Wild. Chet will not follow you back on Instagram. It depends who you are. Uh-oh. Why do I need to follow? I'd follow you on Twitter. What uh, What am I going to get on Instagram that I don't get on Twitter? What are you, what are you my ex-girlfriend? Yeah. That's, I, mean, I had an ex who said that to me. It's like, what, be a pal. What? Be a fucking pal. No, I follow no, you. I don't need. All right, I, I'm, I don't only, need I'm only going to follow you on Instagram. You mean Twitter. No, I'm going to unfollow you on Twitter okay. and only follow you on Instagram. I'm okay with that because you post mostly on Twitter and I post mostly on Instagram. So we're oh, both, so you don't even want to hear from me. So we're both following each other on the platforms that we most post on. Sure thing. You know, look at my Instagram stories. I post Instagram stories almost every day. I never see ATB looking, I, at, my, looking at my stories. I look at Instagram stories almost exclusively by accident. I don't. I, I don't fuck with stories. I don't ever look at them. I don't follow Randall Maynard on uh, Instagram, but he looks at all my Instagram stories. Be more like Randall. You be more like Randall. Why don't we both be more like Randall? We just won't be like Randall. We just won't be like Randall. Oh, uh, what do I got the plug? But. <laughs> <laughs> Butt plug. I've never made that joke. Oh, uh, I don't get it. Um, Yeah, follow me on Instagram. <coughs> <coughs> At Adam Todd Brown, Todd with one D, don't be a fuck face. Also on Twitter, at Adam Todd Brown, I have a Facebook fan page. You can go like that if you want. Don't send me a fucking friend request on Facebook. I'm not, I don't, it's 2019, baby. We are, that ship has sailed. <laughs> unless, uh, no, unless, unless you're like trying to offer me a job and literally can't contact me any other way. Leave me alone on Facebook. Are you on LinkedIn? I am on LinkedIn. Oh, everyone add Adam on LinkedIn. Add me on LinkedIn. I think it still says I live in South Dakota or nice. something. I got a job, baby. I'm going to keep LinkedIn. my LinkedIn updated. I'll add you on LinkedIn. Oh, hey, thank you. I appreciate it. Uh, so that's our episode. We should get the, 90s the fuck were all right. out of here. Chat. It's all right. We didn't die. That was the end of the 90s. 2000s, whole another story. Uh, I didn't die in the 2000s. 2000s fucking sucked. They did. Maybe we'll get to it after we wrap up how the 90s sucked. They're all right. Uh, Chat. What up? Say goodbye. We're literally recording another podcast right now, so there's no reason. I'm not moving. Goodbye, everybody. We love you. Sip of this iced tea.